And you can get that in your right hand and your left hand, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Start you off in a couple of places, Philippians 3 and verse 20. As you know, we've been preaching through the gospel of Luke, and we will go back to that as soon as the Lord tells us to, probably next week. But today, I'd like to preach to you something a little different. I'd like to preach on this subject, a little taste of heaven. Little taste of heaven. How many of you are like this? After a vacation, you need a vacation from your vacation. Uh, do some of you vacation that hard? Right? After the vacation, you get home and you're wiped out and you're tired and you think, oh my goodness, I need three or four days to catch my breath, right? So this is the vacation from the vacation. Y you've had your vacations, now you're coming back. By the grace of God and as much as I can in this, in this time, uh, and with my human limitations, I want to take us on a little journey to heaven. Just take a few minutes there, get a little taste, and see how it might affect our lives moving forward. Philippians 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul writes, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that being said, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, I thank you for the wonderful singing, for the testimony we heard via that prayer letter. Lord, we lift up our missionaries to you. Father, we lift our voices, our hearts to you as we sing. We lift now our request to you. Please come down and meet with us, speak to us. Lord, we sing that song about heaven coming down and glory filling our souls. Would you give us a taste of that this morning, please? Lord, please help me to preach and let the seed fall on good ground. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in verse 20, our conversation is in heaven. The word conversation, the way it's used in the Bible, talks to the manner of life. It's the way you live. That's your conversation. This verse says the way you live is in heaven. Heaven should affect the way you live. Now, a lot of the newer Bibles, they translate this word instead of conversation they put citizenship now, I agree that we are citizens of heaven praise God we're told in the book of Luke our names are written in heaven amen I'm, I'm glad to know my name is in the book of life that's outstanding news you know the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus isn't that a wonderful truth right now if you're saved I know that you're seated in Lauder School Bailey Park <laughs> in Pachastruam, but there's a part of you that's on the other side. Amen. Some people say, I got one foot in the world, one foot in the grave. Not if you're saved. You got one foot in the world, one foot in heaven. <laughs> Brother Rex Harrison used to sing it. I'm already over on the other side, waiting on my brand new body. I'm sitting up there in the heavenly fair at the right hand of the Father. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm living in Christ, you see. I'm already there in Jesus. I'm waiting on my body to be. He's right. We're already there. Man, that's wonderful news. Now, the, the reason I think this word, the way we have it in our King James Bibles, is so much better. Citizenship just says your name is on a roll somewhere, right? But conversation speaks to, the, what, to what you're doing about that citizenship. How are you living that out? The way heaven should affect the way that we live. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is preaching to some Pharisees there. He's condemning them very strongly there, rebuking them strongly. You might remember, ye scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. 
He says, you go over the entire world to make one proselyte, and when you found him, you make him twofold more a child of hell than yourselves. That's a scathing rebuke. But, but Jesus tells us there, people can be a child or a children of hell. What is that? You're the offspring of it. You're the product of that place. If you're saved, you should be the exact opposite. We are children of the king of the universe. We are citizens of heaven, and we ought to act like it. It should affect our lives. Brother Jim Lentz, well, he was a red, they called him fireball because of the way his hair looked. He had bright red hair, but man, that guy could preach. He was from North Carolina. If you know anything about, you know, the, the, the South in America, he had that deep South draw. He was a soldier in Vietnam, rough, tough, rugged guy. He said, some of you folks are tired of me preaching so hard. You say, Brother Lynn's quit preaching about hell. Preach about heaven. He said, I want to preach about heaven, but it's so hard to preach about heaven when you're living like hell. Every now and again, it's good for me to get that out of my system, right? <laughs> there are many negative things, right, that, that we need to preach about and preach against. And, and I have no problem doing that. There's a time and a place. I don't know if you've noticed this. As we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, Jesus rarely preaches fluffy stuff. <laughs> I mean, he's, he hits the, namor, the, the hammer to the, uh, the head of the nail. He's, he's straightforward about a lot of stuff. So there is, it is difficult to preach about heaven sometimes because there's, there's so many earthly things going on. But I also think it can be incredibly helpful if we just break away from this earth, right? Paul said, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. It's good for us sometimes to look at what we cannot see. The things that are not seen are eternal. And that's what I want to do today. Take you on a little journey and spend a few minutes in heaven, and then we'll talk about how that affects our lives. Let's come to 2 Corinthians 12. And verse number one, if you're familiar with Paul's second epistle here to the Corinthians, you know that in chapter 11, he gives great details about all of his sufferings and the things that he has been experiencing, the hardships, troubles. And then in chapter 12 and verse one, he changes gears a little. He says, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So he says, lest you think I'm bragging about how strong I am and how durable I am, let me just tell you about something else God showed me. Verse 2, now he's going to speak of himself in the third person here. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. So he's telling a story of something that happened to him. You can read about this actually in Acts chapter 14. You get the other side to the, to the story. He was, he was stoned by some enemies and, and had died for just a brief period of time. He says, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. He is describing what it feels like to die and your soul to leave your body. A soul has eyes, a soul has fingers, a soul has a tongue. We know this from Luke chapter 16, the rich man in hell. His soul had all of those things. But it, it's almost, if you want to describe a soul, it's a bodiless body. 
So whether in the body or out of the body, I, I don't know. God can describe it. I can't. He goes on to say, such an one caught up to the third heaven. In the Bible, there are three heavens. The first heaven is where the birds fly in the clouds. The second heaven is the sun, moon, and stars. And then the Bible describes a massive body of water over that. Beyond that body of water, you step into what Paul calls here the third heaven. This is where the throne of God is at. And you'll see now this is where paradise is also found. In verse 3, And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, to be honest, I'm not quite sure what Paul means by that. Did he get up there and see heaven and, let's say, experience heaven, get a little taste of it, and then God says, Hey, Paul, I know you're excited, but you can't go down telling everybody what you saw here. Do you know how that brutal that would be for a preacher to not be allowed to go say everything you just heard and saw? That would be tough. Or perhaps this is more just a figure of speech where Paul is saying, Listen, what I saw is too big for words. If I tried to explain it, it is just too beautiful, too wonderful, and it could be just that. Either way, Paul took a little journey. He spent a little bit of time. We don't know how long, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it was. Long enough, long enough to get a taste of heaven. You read in Acts 14, when he rose back up from that being stoned, from, from dying, he rose back up. The Bible says the other disciples helped him back into the city. He recuperated for the rest of the evening. The next day went right back where he got stoned and kept on preaching. Almost, now, I'm not saying he was seeking death. I don't think he had a, like a, a death wish or anything, but completely unafraid because he's thinking the worst you can do for me is send me right back to where I was yesterday and that would be just fine with me, right? To die and depart and to be with Christ is far better. Paul got a little taste of heaven. Now, you know what's lovely about it? He just went right back to doing what he was already doing and that's the kind of Christian life we ought to be living. We shouldn't get to the other side and then look back with a lot of regret and say, yo, while I was there, I should have been doing this and that. If we get a little taste of it, we should be able to say, hey, I'm just all the more excited to get there now, but I don't need to make a lot of adjustments. Now, perhaps that's not true of you this morning. Maybe this quick trip to heaven, you'll come back from this journey with a little taste, and there will be some things that you experience in heaven that you can bring back down to your earthly life and institute and your conversation, right, is in heaven. The way you live, that heavenly experience becomes a bit of your earthly reality. I, I don't know if this happens to you guys. Sometimes when I go on a vacation, I try to bring some of that vacation back with me. You know, if I go to a beach, I think, man, it is so nice to take time to relax and read a book, you know, and just the calmness, the stillness, just hear the ocean. So I come back and I'll download some ocean sounds for my phone, you know, to try to bring some vacation back with me. I, uh, I, I, I rarely get to take naps. Whenever I go on vacation, that's one of the, my to-dos on a vacation, take a nap. And whenever I come back, okay, I'm going to take more naps. It never happens, but I, I always think this is wonderful. I, when I visited India, when Boltman and I went there, I saw the, the guys wearing the typical Indian garb, you know, the shirts that come down a little bit longer. I thought, ooh, I want one of those. So I brought one back with me. Haven't worn it since. <laughs> but I thought, let me bring a little bit of it back with. And I'm hoping that's what happens today. 
We spend a few minutes thinking about what it's like in heaven, and it changes the way you live down here on earth. I heard one preacher say, you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Yeah, have you heard that before? So heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I, I have never met the Christian that is too heavenly minded. So I understand the sentiment of that statement. I get it. In theory, I understand. You could potentially get too heavenly minded, but I'm not in any danger of that. So it doesn't bother me at all to, to turn my attention and my affections towards heaven for a little bit this morning. Now I understand, guys, that not if you were up in heaven and you saw how things operate in heaven, it's not as if we can bring heaven down right now and live on earth as if we're in heaven. Right? I, I understand that. In heaven, listen, there is no prayer. Right? So you can't say, well, up in heaven they don't pray, so my conversation's in heaven, so I'm not going to pray down here. Because in heaven they don't pray. So some of this won't translate, you understand? Some things are, are heavenly uh, expectations and things we'll do in the future. In heaven there's no prayer, there's no faith. Because you can see them. You don't need faith anymore. Faith is something you do when you can't see them. There's no more jobs, careers, working. Now, come on, some of you need to say amen to that. I, I, come on, come on. There's no more preaching. There's no more witnessing. There's no more politics. Okay, finally, we got an amen out of that. Here we go. There's no more ESCOM. Okay. There's no more sickness. There's no more cancer. There's no more sin, and thereby there's no more repenting. There are a lot of things that we need to do and deal with on the earth that once we get to heaven, that will all change, okay? So I understand that you can't take everything from heaven and directly translate it to our earthly lives. But the more I meditated on that, I, I got to thinking there are certain things that are happening right now in heaven that should be true down here on earth. You, most of you probably know this. You memorized it when you were growing up. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are certain things about heaven that should be true right now here on the earth. So we're going to take a quick journey. And as best you can, right, just imagine if we had our little private rapture. Boom. And immediately... This body is changed and we are escorted by the angels through the gates of heaven and we walk in. And just for a moment, just, just think what you're going to see. You look forward and there's the throne of God with the emerald rainbow sprawled behind it. And around the throne you see the 24 elders, the four beasts, the cherubim, the seraphim with their wings and their eyes all about. You see the seven lamps of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Look to your right, to your left, and everywhere you look, as you span the room, the angelic host seems to go on forever and ever. Innumerable company of angels, the Bible says. And there where you look forward to the throne of God after taking in these beautiful sights, you see at the right hand of the Father, there He is seated. He's a, lamb. He's a lion and at the same time a lamb. And He still bears the marks of being slain. 
It's so interesting that in one chapter in Revelation 5, he's a lion and a lamb because a lion, the king of the jungle, he's almighty and powerful and ready to pounce and destroy the enemy, but a lamb at the same time, soft and gentle, meek and tender and ready to lay down his life as a sacrifice. Everything, Jesus is all in all, and now we get to lay our eyes on him. Take in the sights of heaven. Let it sink deep into your memory. Those are the things we will one day see with our eyes. Today we see them by faith. But that's a little bit of heaven. Just as you look around, let it soak in the, 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 the platform of the throne and the 24 elders that are throwing their crowns. And, and, and let it just, just shh. If you listen close, can you hear it? Take in the sounds of heaven. Do you hear what they're singing? The Bible tells us what they're saying, what they're singing. If you listen close, as the, as the crowns are being cast forward, you can hear it. Holy, holy, holy. And the angels kick in. Lord God Almighty. And then the other side of the angel. Early on, oh, that sound begins to thunder and reverberate in your soul. And it, to add to the vision of heaven, all of a sudden, the song switches. And we know this in the Bible. This is what they sing. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They begin to sing about how we were redeemed out of every country, nation, kindred, tongue, people. We begin to talk about what Jesus did for us and one voice after another begins to sound off in worship and testimony and praise and song. Take in the sights of heaven. Take in the sounds of heaven. God, help me here. You're really going to have to try on this one. Take in the smells. You ever thought about that? How is heaven going to smell? Smell like nothing you've ever smelt before. It'll be the cleanest, purest, most lovely aromas and sweetest fragrances and scents all wrapped into one glorious perfume that can only be described as heaven. It just smells like heaven. Friend, if you're saved, that's where you're going. That's your home. You're a citizen of that place. You're a child of heaven. Take in the sights, the sounds, the smells. Just let it sink in for a moment. And as it sinks in, don't let it leave your mind. I want you to look around because I've described to you most of what you'll see and a lot of what you'll hear and, and as best I can what it would smell like. But I want you to just look because what you have right here this morning is a little taste of heaven. Because one day when we're there, Umizak, I'm going to look to my right and you'll be there. I'm going to look to my left and there will be Brother Francois. And I'll look this way and there's Tani Marianne. Laughing and amening and singing and dancing. She's going to be dancing. <laughs> and then I'll spin this way and there's, there's Irene and there's Johan. There, I, I'm looking all around 
And I look over in that corner and there's the pastor that led me to Christ. And then I look over in this side and there's the pastor that trained me in Bible school. And then I look this side and there's Fricky and Frickalina. They're not cold anymore. <laughs> I want you to think about that. Today, this morning, we have a little taste of heaven because we have assembled. We are together. And just think about it. Up in heaven, what do they do? They're gathered around the throne. Jesus is in the midst. Isn't that right? Where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. This is a little taste of heaven. This is a little taste of heaven. Just let it sink in because our journey is not done. I want you to look around at all these people and, and, and millions and millions of them. Let me tell you one thing that you'll, you'll notice that amongst all the multitudes of heaven, there is no more bitterness. There is no more wrath. No more grudges. Nobody, nobody is hanging on to their anger for anyone else. It's all done. Take your Bible, come to Matthew chapter 18. Every saint in heaven is getting along with every saint in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? It is hard for us as mortal, sinful, fallen people to even imagine a place where you know there are no problems between me and another person. But, but let me be careful to point this out. That is how it will be eternally. Your first few moments in heaven may not be like that. Did you know that anger does exist in heaven? It does. So I, I've tried to be careful with my words. Every saint no longer holds a grudge against any other saint, right? I'm talking about holding on to a grudge. I'm talking about the root of bitterness springing up. All of that is done. But anger is, you do find it in heaven. It's there. So how do you know? The Bible says in Psalm 7, God is angry with the wicked every day. There's anger. Matthew 18, verse 18. Jesus said this, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in Heaven. Do you see the connection between earthly and heavenly conduct? Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So this binding and loosing, it has to do with forgiveness. That's the loosing. And the binding is when you hold on to the grudge. That's when you say the situation is not done yet. It is still, we would say like a binding contract. You still have to deal with this. When there is something that another person has done that's made you angry and you do not biblically deal with it, you do not go to that brother or sister and make that right. It is bound on earth. And you say, well, I'll just wait until I die and then it will be taken care of. You'll be surprised. You'll walk into heaven and God will say, okay, uh, you, you. You two couldn't get it sorted out down there, so come here. We're going to get it sorted out. And he'll sort it out. He'll sort you out. And he'll say, now... Let me tell you what both of you did and how both of you were wrong and what you both did right and get it sorted. And from that moment forward, the situation is no clore. It's finished. And now there's no more animosity. There's no more anger. It's finished. And both of you look at each other and you go, I'm, I'm sorry. Now that I see the whole picture and I don't have my sinful body anymore, I'm sorry. It was my... And you reconcile and for the rest of eternity, no more grudge, no more bitterness. 
Tell you what, let's get a head start on that. Let's take a little bit of heaven and bring it down here right now. And, and before our actual trip to heaven, let's go ahead and bring that heavenly aspect into our lives. And if there is a brother, sister, family member, just a person that you have some, something against, some situation, go to them. Make it right. It'll be a little taste of heaven in your home, in your workplace, just in your life to know that I have dealt with it as much as I can. I have followed the command of God to forgive and to be ready to forgive. And that'll be a little bit of heaven, a little bit of peace, that peace of heaven right down here on earth. Take your Bible, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter four. While we're up in heaven, you look around and everybody's smiling at each other. All these situations, these misunderstandings sorted out. Forever we're at peace with one another. That's what God desires. So we can translate that down to our earthly lives. But let me tell you something else. As you look around at the people, you're going to notice that no one is worried about their reputation. Just look around. You see the throne of God and the angels singing in the smell. You take all that in, but you also something you should notice is no one's going, no one's trying to outsing the next guy to go, listen to me. No one's trying to say amen louder than the other guy. There's no more of that. Reputations are no more. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 5, Paul says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Now, just to give you some context, the Corinthians were making a big deal out of certain preachers. They were saying, this guy's a great man of God. And then the next guy would say, no, 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 he's not so great. This guy's a great man of God. And Paul's point is, guys, you don't know everything about them. The proper way to judge a, a minister is, is if he is a faithful steward of the mysteries of God. Is he teaching the New Testament faithfully? All right, so that's, that's the standard. And he says, guys, you don't know what's going on in their hearts, so judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Isn't that a strange thought? Every man to whom it is due, obviously, shall have praise of God. God looks at that person and says, well done. I knew why you did and, and what you said. I know why you did it. I know why you said what you said and why you did what you did. I knew the intents of your heart. And this guy, this lady was a true worshiper. And in front of all, Jesus even told us this. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father and the angels. We know it's a public thing to have praise of God. Listen, just once this happens in heaven for God to look down and say, well done. Okay, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of me or says about me, he's happy. How about we take that piece of heaven and bring it down into our lives right now? Not worried about reputation, not worried about public opinion, is he happy? Is my Father in heaven happy with me? Verses I think you all know Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, help me, lest any man should boast. 
We don't get to heaven and pat ourselves on the back and go, man, look at, look at how good a job I did. That's not how heaven works. When we get there, we boast, we praise the lamb that was slain. And we say, the, re- the reason I'm here is because of what he did. And the reason I labored more abundantly was because of what he did. It's because of the grace he gave me. So even the praise that he might offer to us, if he says, well done, and places a crown on your head to recognize what you've done, you know what we probably would do with that crown? Take it right back off and say, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and praise, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We turn the praise and the glory right back to Him. That's heaven. You know, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus, again, rebuking the Pharisees, He said, You guys seek out the uppermost seats in the synagogue. Anytime they gathered for a service, these big shots, because they were worried about their reputation, they wanted to have the highest seat in the room so everybody could see them. He says, you guys had the long phylacteries, you know, you had the special garments on, and and you love fancy titles. You wanted to be called rabbi and master and father and all of these fancy titles. You know, we have them too. You know, I'm reverend, doctor, apostle, prophet, and you know, we like to have all all these titles to our names. Can you imagine getting to heaven And there's the Father, the Son, and the spirits of God. Because remember, he breaks into seven parts when you're up in heaven. The the seven spirits of God encircling the throne. Can you imagine somebody running up there with their chair going, Yeah, me too, me too. (laughs) Because we're all worshiping him. And somebody says, I want the uppermost seat. (laughs) Think about it now. If that's how you're living your earthly life, that won't translate. That won't work. So go ahead and take this little taste of heaven You look around and no one's worried about their reputation. You know what they're worried about? Making sure that he gets all the glory. We can bring that down into our lives now. I want people to see through me and to him. Now, if I can just touch on this for a moment because I I think it's worth saying, I don't mean to take us out of heaven for, uh, for any amount of time here, but you understand social media is geared towards putting the attention on you. It's geared towards, look at my life. Look at what I'm doing. Aren't you interested in, in what I'm doing every minute of my day? Look at the sandwich I'm eating. Here is a broiki. <laughs> we all know. Yes, we also eat them. You don't need to put, put a picture of it. But it's all about, look at my life. What, what, if, what if we just took a, a page from heaven's book and brought it down and said, everything's about him. I understand that social media can be used in a good way. I understand that, but a lot of that is geared towards look at me. Our conversation is in heaven where everything's about look at him. Look at him. You know, many times we're worried about testimony. You know, people say, well, I want to have a good testimony. It's easy to confuse testimony and reputation. Everybody should, listen, we should strive to have a good testimony. Let me tell you how to do that. Stop striving to have a good testimony. Does that make sense? (laughs) Just do what's right. Don't worry about what other people are thinking of what you're doing. As soon as you do that, you're trying to gain a reputation. Rather say, Jesus commanded me to do some things. I'm just going to go do those things. Then the testimony will take care of itself. You don't need to worry about other men's opinions of it. Take your Bible, if you would, come to Revelation chapter 6.
Revelation 6 and verse number 9. So while we're up in heaven taking in the sights, the sounds, the smells, we also realize there's no more wrath, bitterness, no more reputation. And the next thing I want to say, if you look around closely, you won't see one person worried. No one's worried anymore. Again, it's hard for us to imagine that because we, un- we know what stress looks like on other people. Not one person with any stress at all. Can you imagine that? No fear, no unhealthy fear, no stress, no anxiety, no worries. Say, no, pastor, you don't understand. You know, I got a lot of obligations, a lot of things going on. When I get to heaven, I won't have any problems, so I won't be stressed out. Didn't Jesus teach us not to be anxious about what's happening? Didn't he say, take no thought for the morrow? Didn't he say, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall put on? For the life is more than, than food and drink. Didn't he say that? Yes, we have to deal with our obligations, and, and yes, there are tough times and tribulations, but never are we told to worry or panic or stress out or get anxious about it. The Bible says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding, understanding that's heaven, that's a little taste of heaven, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How about we, on our journey, let's grab ourselves a handful of that heavenly aspect and bring it into our lives. They're not worried. You know, up in heaven, they do have a plan for the future. It is okay to have a plan for your future. It's okay to sit down and think about what needs to be done tomorrow and the week after and the year after. It's okay to make a plan. Nothing wrong with that. But once the plan is made, the best way to prepare for tomorrow is to do what you ought to do today. Once you've made the plan, go about working the plan. You, you accomplish nothing by worrying about the plan. Up in heaven, they have a plan for the future. Revelation 6, verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These are martyrs. These are people that will die during the tribulation time. Their souls are up in heaven and they're talking to God. Verse 10, and they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Think about this now. Interesting little note. When you get to heaven, you don't receive omniscience. You don't know everything just because you showed up in heaven. They still, they still have to ask God, so what comes next? So what are you going to do about this and that? And they have to wait for an answer. And they have to wait on God to do something, to fix certain things. How long, Lord, until you avenge our blood? Verse 11, and white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest. What should they do? Rest. Guys, little taste of heaven, rest. What did Jesus say? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. He didn't say wait until you get to heaven and then you'll rest. You can rest now. Amen. Hebrews 4 says there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. When when we get to the other side of life's Jordan, we will rest. 
we will rest. And I'm looking forward to that rest, but you can have that rest, that peace in your soul now. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Little taste of heaven. You can have it in your life now. God says to these people that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. He said, listen, your brethren down there, are, they still got some tough days ahead. You guys rest and listen, wait. That sounds like good earthly advice. Say, I'm going through some tough stuff, pastor, and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Rest and wait. What did these people in heaven do? They had a care. They had a concern. Yes? What did they do? They cast it upon the Lord. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Here's a little bit of heaven that we can bring into our lives. What's the Bible say in Psalms? Cast thy burden upon the Lord. He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. The Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. David exclaimed, I had fainted. I, I would have given up. And some of you maybe are thinking about giving up. David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said, I, I know I don't have to wait till heaven to see God do something. God can do it right here on earth. The next verse after that, David said, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah the prophet said, Blessed are all they that wait for him. David said again, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself. Jesus said it best, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. That, that is some heavenly activity, some heavenly behavior that should be a part of our lives. Rest. Take your care to the Lord and say, I know that you're going to take care of it in due time. I'll do my part, but I know I can't fix the whole thing. So I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to wait for you to handle it. You know, one of the greatest compliments you'll ever give God is when you're going through the deepest valley, the darkest time, the toughest time, to say, God, I'm not going to worry about it. I'll pray and I'll put it in your hands and wait for you to show me what to do and wait for you to work it all out. But one of the greatest acts of worship you'll ever give God this side of heaven is to not worry when something goes wrong. That's a little taste of heaven because that's what heaven will be like. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. Revelation 5 and verse 11. Continue to have in your mind the sights, have in your spiritual ears the sounds, the smell of heaven. No more reputation. You don't have to worry about that. No more bitterness. All fixed. No more stress. No more anxiety. No more worry. Taken care of. And... and I want you to really let this sink in. Verse 11, 5 and 11. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. 
And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's another way of saying a whole lot. <laughs> baya. <laughs> that's like baya, baya, baya. That's, that's a lot. Verse 12, saying with a loud voice. What kind of voice? Loud voice. So I, I am not going to try to replicate that now. But just let that resonate in your spiritual ears, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I mean, every good thing they could think of, they threw it in there. Verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them Heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. So one group says, Worthy is the Lamb. And the next group says, Praise the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. And verse 14, And the four be said, Amen. <laughs> verse 14, The four be said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So here's another little taste of heaven. Up in heaven, you have some genuine, real, unashamed worship of God. Nothing held back. You know, I, I, I think I figured a little bit of this out. It's been almost 11 years now I've been here. I still don't have South Africa figured out. I'm not going to pretend that I do. Uh, you guys, this is, you know that I, I have tried to get you to say amen. I have actually changed on that. You broke me. <laughs> you broke my spirit on that. Uh, it, it is a heavenly thing. Verse 14. Little taste of heaven. There we there. <laughs> however, however, I, I, I get it. It's not a biblical command that you say amen or you are a certain, you know, uh, uh, you're a, a certain level of vocal in the church. I, please, so please don't think that I'm trying to put any pressure, undue pressure on you. But I think this is a relevant statement. I think this is true, that a lot of you would really like to say more and do more than you do. I, I see it in your faces because you, you kind of are holding back during the service and by the end of the service, you, you you're kind of like red in the face, and I don't think you're angry. I used to think so. I don't think you're angry. I, I think you've just been holding in that amen, and it's about to... <laughs> Years ago, Brother Peacock went to Romania, and he was teaching there, and the, he was teaching them, preaching to them about uh, worshiping God and saying amen and hallelujah and things like that, because those are biblical things. And they said, teach us about it. We don't know how to do it. Why do we say amen? And he said, you know, when you heat the tea kettle... The, the water gets to, to bubbling and then the steam comes out and he, Poop! And he says, that's, that's just an indication that the water's hot. He said, so it's the same thing when the Holy Spirit begins to move and starts to heat up your heart and things get to bubbling over and the cup's about to run over you. Poop! He said, that's what an amen is. So he got to preaching along and the Romanians went, Poop! <laughs> Something got lost in translation, obviously, right? Some, something got lost there. Now, guys, I am not, and this is the awkward part, right? I'm not asking you to right now, on cue, everybody start saying something. Please don't, don't think I'm doing that. All I'm saying is up in heaven, there's nothing held back. There's no distraction. There's no shame. You're not worried about what someone else is going to think. 
If you want to sing, you just sing. If you want to testify, you do that. If you want to praise the Lord, if you want to say hallelujah, if you want to say amen, that is acceptable behavior in heaven. It would really do you good to get a little bit of heaven down in your home, down in your heart, down in your church. Little taste of heaven. Never hurt. Guys, I'm not talking about this trumped up, you know, stir it up and, and make everybody. I, that, that's why I, said, I don't want to go there. I want it to be genuine, real. If you want to say amen, then you do so. If you, and, and obviously, there's an appropriate time to do that, right? Sometimes that can get distracting. You can get in the flesh. I've been in church services where I saw one ding-dong. He ran up the middle aisle and jumped. He ran behind the pulpit and jumped into the baptistry. Kaploosh! All right, now there's excited and then there's that. <laughs> Calm down, man. <laughs> I mean, he might have been on fire for God, but now he's extinguished it. <laughs> I, I understand you can go too far, but listen, if, in the appropriate time to say amen, if, if you want to fall to your knees, you've seen it recently in our church. You want to come to the altar, you don't have to wait to the end. If, if, if you want to do that, you can do that. If, during the song service, if you want to raise a hand, you can do that. If you want to raise your body, you can do that. Just genuine expression, real from the heart. Please understand, though, while we're on earth, we are still limited by our earthly bodies. Your voices are not glorified yet. Just, just be mindful, and some of you are, right? When you sing, I, I want you to sing loud and from your heart, but understand that other people, it might be painful to them. <laughs> so just be mindful of that. So I'm not so much preaching about the volume at which you do these things. I'm talking about the intention. Real, unadulterated Worship that comes from a sincere, genuine heart that loves God with all of its strength, with all of its being. That's a little taste of heaven. You can bring that down here and just say, God, I love you because you're you. And I love being around you. And I love hearing about you. And I love singing about you. And when you sing these songs, I don't know if you've paid attention today, we tried to choose you some songs that would go along with the theme and to be honest, I only put one in. The rest of them Armand chose, and he's not here. His wife had a baby this week, so praise God for that. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. That's a little taste of heaven. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. The, the, these, this concept of taking a little bit of heaven and putting it in your life, you'll see it all through these old hymns. One last thing I'd like to bring to your attention. You can turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We'll be done. No more wrath, no more reputation. No more worries. Real worship. Hebrews 13 will be in verse 15 in a moment. But before we end our journey in heaven, still we're, we can, the, the throne of God is always in view and then the angels and the, and the lamb that has been slain and we can hear the songs and the smell of heaven is coming up. And for those of you that are horse lovers, if you look deep into the distance, you'll see horse stables. Just trying to give you a full picture of heaven. There's horse stables. You know that, right? You do know that. Right? We, we ride white horses when we come back. So there's horse stables way in the distance. There's palm trees in heaven. Did you know that? 
Sure, yeah, Revelation 7 says they wave palm branches. Where'd they get those? <laughs> palm trees, which means there's coconuts in that anyway. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going way too far now, right? <laughs> and if there's palm trees, there's grass. I mean, we, so I, I don't want to go too far here. But as we look around at all these beautiful things, and it's difficult to quantify or qualify this in any way, I'll tell you one really special aspect of heaven. You're going to see some son, some man, go over to his mother and say, Mom, I never got to tell you on earth just how much you meant to me. But I want to tell you now. You made a massive difference in my life. And I just want to say thank you. And you'll see some other guy go over to some pastor that knocked on his door and say, Pastor, we didn't keep in touch. I don't know how you ended up. I don't know, you didn't know where I ended up in our er earthly lives and our journeys. I just want you to know you knocked on my door on a Tuesday evening and you gave me the gospel and invited me to church and that changed my life forever. Thank you. Can you imagine? You will finally have time <laughs> an opportunity to go one by one, personally, face to face, to all the people that made a difference in your life. And you will know at that point, in a greater way, just how much that person cared about you, how much they prayed for you. Those things will finally come out. They will be made known to you. So the last thing I want to say about heaven, this little taste of heaven that we can bring down here before it's too late, while you have time on, on this planet, go to somebody that's made a difference and say thank you. Whether it's a relative, a church member, anybody it is, tell them how much they mean to you. Make sure they know how much you love them. Because that's what heaven's going to be like. We can bring that down here right now. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The reason I think we don't say thank you more often to both God and the people of God is because it's a sacrifice. Isn't that what it says? The sacrifice. We have to give something up to say thank you. We, we have to acknowledge, we have to humble ourselves to a certain extent to say, listen, I needed you. I needed that difference you made in my life. Sa saying thank you is not always easy. One day it will be. But you can get a little taste of heaven and bring it down here. You know, we read in one of the Gospels where Jesus healed ten lepers. And the Bible says only one of them turned back to give him thanks, to give glory. So what I'm saying to you is you be that one that recognizes what a difference God has made. And I understand I've talked about saying thank you to other people. You will have a chance one day to look Jesus in the eye and say thank you. We cannot fathom how much He cares about us right now. And even then, I don't think we'll be able to fathom just the unspeakable love 
the unsearchable depths of His riches and mercy and grace, it is beyond us and probably for the rest of eternity will be too big for us. But there's one thing you can do about it, and that is thank Him continually. Verse 15, By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How long? Continually. So not just on this earth. It will continue and continue and continue. That's a little taste of heaven. Now, I, I would encourage you to do this. Maybe go home. Keep your journey going. What else do you notice about heaven that you can bring down and institute in your earthly life? Remember, our conversation is in heaven. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed, and the pianist will play softly and I want to give you a moment to respond as the Holy Spirit would like for you to as I've said I I'm not here to pressure you to do one thing or the other I, I am recommending though that you don't hold back and I'm not asking you to be obnoxious I'm just telling you to be true to yourself everybody's going to express their thanks a little differently your mode of worship might be slightly different. That's okay. As long as it's genuine and real. Perhaps there's some people that you're still um, holding that grudge against them. Pray now and say, God, give me the grace to go make that right. I want it to be loosed. I don't want to go to heaven with strings attached. Some have come to pray. You're more than welcome. It will not take long, but we do want to give you the necessary time. Friend, if you're here, and you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. And the Bible says, because He's done that, He has made a way for you to approach the Father. Without that, you couldn't have made it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So I'd love to go see that beautiful place and be with the, the Savior who died for me. Then you must now accept Him, trust Him as your Savior. By faith. By faith. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The sacrifice has been made. The place is being built. All we need now is for you to come. Is there anyone here, and I won't point you out, I just want to know who I'm praying for. If you're here and you've never been saved, can I pray for you? I, I just want to ask God to help you with that decision. Say, Pastor, that's me. You can slip your hand up and put it right back down. 
No one's looking. This is between you, me, and the Holy Spirit. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Not sure that I'm saved. All right, I appreciate your honesty. Father, I thank you this morning for allowing us a few minutes to think about and preach about heaven. It's hard for us to imagine a place that wonderful and that we get to be around you forever, unhindered by the distractions and cares of this world. Lord, I just want to say thank you. God, this is such a privilege to get to stand here and say these things and serve you every day. Thank you for these people. Thank you for the encouragement they are. God, help us. We want thy will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to take this little taste of heaven with us. We want it to affect our earthly lives. Fathers, we dismiss, please, God, help us to keep our affections set on things above. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.